Well, amputees have this phenomenon, especially if they're recently uh, amputated, and it's called the phantom limb phenomenon. Basically, what happens is after someone has a, a, a ligament taken off, uh, they still feel like it's there. And they'll tell you that they feel like their toes are curling up or their hands are grasping something. Some of them will even forget that they don't have a leg and will uh, try to get out of bed uh, with that leg that's no longer there. And this, uh, this thing that happens, I think it's a great idea on showing us what it's like to have guilt in our lives. There's a lot of people in this world who deal with guilt that's from the past, and if they allow it, allow, they'll allow it to eat themselves up on the inside. Uh, guilt is one of those things that uh, can be devastating to us. It can handicap us in many ways. It can handicap our ministry. Uh, it can prevent our devotional life from growing. It can uh, even hurt us when it comes to church life. Guilt uh, is the subject of David's psalm in Psalm 32. Uh, we're going to be in Psalm 32, and so if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open them up and follow along with us. Uh, this psalm is written by David. Uh, he was the king of Israel. Uh, for a good portion of his life, he was chased from one town to the next uh, by King Saul, who was jealous of David. Uh, and even after Saul died, David had to unify the kingdom. Uh, the southern tribes all said they wanted David to be king, uh, while the northern tribes said they wanted Saul's children to be king. And so there was a civil war for about seven years, and then David unified the kingdom uh, like no one else had before or since. Uh, he led them into battles, and he secured their borders, and uh, they pretty much were in a good spot uh, with him as king. But one of the problems that often comes with success is complacency. David became complacent in a number of areas of his life. One of those uh, w dealt with his battle experience. One spring, instead of leading the army into battle, uh, David decided to stay at home and let his generals do the fighting for him. And as a result, he ends up going one night onto the roof of his house and looks over his, his city that he has built, and he sees a lady there by the name of Bathsheba, and he watches her bathe. And he lusts over her, and he convinces her to come and to commit adultery with him. Now, he knew who Bathsheba was. Her husband, Uriah, was one of his mighty fighting men, an elite group within the army. So David knew who Bathsheba was, and yet he still did this act. Later, Bathsheba became pregnant with David's son. And she comes to him and tells him, hey, I, we're pregnant, we have an issue here, we have a problem. And David decides he's going to hide what he has done. And so he calls Uriah home from the battlefield. He tells him, go be with your wife, you've been away from her far too long. But Uriah was more faithful than David. Uriah believed that since the rest of the men are fighting, there's no reason why he should be allowed to go home. And so he slept on the steps of the palace. David ended up sending Uriah back to the battlefield with his own death sentence in hand. He gave orders for Uriah to be killed and make it look like an accident. David thought in many ways that he had covered what he had done. And while the rest of the world thought that David was still good, God knew there was something wrong. And so God sent 
Nathan the prophet to David to confront him and tell him what you've done is not right. And David breaks down and he asks for forgiveness and he gets it. Looking back on his life many years later, he will write uh, what we are reading today, Psalm 32. And this is what he writes about that experience. It says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silence, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped, as in the heat of summer. And then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by a bit and bridle, or they will not come. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. David writes this psalm recognizing that sin is a nasty thing to have to deal with. See, David tried living his life as if nothing had happened. On the outside, everyone thought everything was going well, but on the inside, the guilt of what he had done was eating him alive. And we read about that guilt here in verses 3 and 4, the heart of this message, where he talks about how when he was silent, it just, just didn't work out. When he tried to hide what he had done, he was hurting inside. Too many times we like to hide our mistakes. We like to hide the fact that we have sinned. We don't want to deal with the guilt that is often associated with those sins. It's something we do as human beings. When we read in the book of Genesis about the first two sins that are written about, what we find is this, this tendency to want to hide. Adam and Eve ate from the tree that was forbidden. And when they are confronted by God as God comes into the garden to look for them, we find them hiding from God because they are afraid. They don't want to have to, have to deal with the guilt. Cain kills his brother Abel because he's jealous. He's jealous of everything that's happening to Abel, and he takes him out into the field where no one is looking, and he kills him in cold blood. And then God comes to Cain and says, Cain, where is your brother? And he says, I don't know. He tried to hide what he had done. And the problem is, is that as we try to hide what we have done, there is one person that knows exactly what we have done. While we may be good at hiding our sins from the rest of the world, God is aware of everything. 
God was aware in the case of David. God's aware in our case as well. The more and more I try to hide my sins, here's what I find out. I struggle with sin like all of us. I struggle with, with lying in the past. I struggle with words that come from my mouth. Not just filthy words, but, but harsh words. I struggle with anger with my kids. There's a lot of things that we struggle with in this life. And what I find in my life is if I don't have a conversation with God about the sins that I'm in, it makes it a lot easier to continue to sin. It makes it a lot easier for me to say, you know what, next time I'll do better, when in reality I'm just going to do the same thing over and over again. But when we have those honest conversations with God, when we talk to Him and tell Him the things that we're struggling with and we admit the guilt that we have, it becomes a lot easier to avoid those sins. And the reason I think this is is because God gives us power to deal with sin. God wants us to live for him, and God wants us to live to his standards. And so when we're dealing with sin and when we have conversations with God to let him know what we have done, he wants to give us the power to conquer those sins in our lives. And I think David recognizes that in Psalm 32. In this psalm, I think David talks about three responses that God has to sin in our lives. The first response that God has is this, is that while sin leaves us anxious, God gives peace through his forgiveness. If we were to reread verses 3 and 4, we would just have this feeling of anxiety that, that David has over his sin. It just seeps with it. He talks about the sin being a thing that causes him to groan day and night. And that word for groaning is, is like the sound that a lion makes from deep inside itself. This roar at, and wailing at what sin has caused in his life. Have you ever done something wrong and tried to hide it? I think at some point in our lives, we've all done this, maybe from our parents, right? We've, we've done something wrong and we've tried to hide it from them. And what we find is this, is that as we try to hide it, we end up being anxious every time that person walks in the room. So if you've done something wrong, you're hiding it from your parents and they walked in the room, you're like, oh no, do they know? And if they start to have those conversations with you that kind of hint around what's taking place, you often are left in this place where you're like, oh no, do they know? And the more we try to hide the sins, the more anxious we become because we're afraid the person that we're trying to hide it from, the person that we don't want to be disappointed in ourselves, the person that, that we respect and love, we're afraid that they'll find out. Sin leaves us anxious. And the problem with trying to hide sin is that no matter what sin it is, someday it's going to come to light. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 4. Paul's talking about judgment, saying that God's going to judge the world, and in the middle of that he says, God, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. 
someday, no matter what sin it is, no matter how well you've hidden it from the rest of the world, God is going to bring it to light. And it might be on the judgment day that he brings it to light and you have to deal with it then, or it might be before then. We look at Hollywood over the last two weeks, and it's not been a pretty sight, has it? As more and more women stand up and say, you know what, that guy, he did something to me. And these sins that these men had hidden from the rest of the world are coming to light to devastating effects. Whatever sin you are hiding, don't expect it to remain hidden. There is a better way to live. And that better way to live is to admit our guilt. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. There is a better way to live than trying to hide the mistakes that we've made, to hide the sins, and that is admitting our guilt. Verse 5 of this psalm says that. He says, When I acknowledge my sin." When I confessed it to you, God, I found forgiveness, and my guilt was gone. Our God wants to forgive you. Our God wants to not let you be anxious, but to give you peace. And the way we find peace is when we admit our sins, when we confess. Now, there might be consequences still. David faced consequences in his own life. Even though he came to God and he confessed and God gave him forgiveness, there were still consequences to what he had done. His son became sick and died. His children had many dysfunctions. David still dealt with those consequences, but he had forgiveness. When left with the choice between anxiety from my sin or peace from God's forgiveness I would choose peace every time and it begins by admitting our guilt the second response that God has to sin is this is while sin leaves us weak God gives protection through his strength David talks about his strength being sapped in verses 3 and 4, and it's this idea of the summer heat coming upon him. Uh, in the Middle East, the heat of summer was, was one of these devastating things. It was one of these things that you kind of avoided, and you would go into your houses, and they actually built on the top of their roofs these covered porches type things where you could go up onto the roof, be protected by the shade, and allow the breeze to cool you off. I mean, there's a reason why David was able to go on his roof and see someone bathing is because of how they built their houses. Have you ever experienced the exhaustion that the summer heat can bring? I remember my first summer here in Missouri. Uh, I grew up in Indiana, and, and where I lived, there wasn't the type of humidity that we have here in central Missouri. And so I remember uh, that first year when Emily and I had gotten married, we had uh, rented a little house in Moberly. Uh, it was like a four-room house, literally. And, and this house, uh, it was older, and so none of the windows opened except for one. 
And so we weren't able to, when it got really hot, to open up all of our windows and allow the wind to blow in and out. It just, it just didn't happen. All right, and this house didn't have central air conditioning. And so that first August that we were here, where we weren't used to the heat that comes in August, and it was one of the hottest Augusts that I've experienced. Uh, it was just oppressive. When we got a little window unit and put it in that one window that did open, but it wasn't enough to cool down the house. And I remember we had to pull in a air mattress into our living room because it had a ceiling fan. And in order to sleep at night, we had to sleep in our living room on an air mattress. It was exhausting. And in the same way that the summer heat can cause exhaustion in our lives, trying to hide our sins can be exhausting. Our sins can leave us in exhaustion. It can leave us in this place where we're weak and we don't know where to get the strength to face the next day. Sin is like a secret. Secrets are one of those things that when we keep from the closest to us, it's hard. The first year that we were married, my wife decided to throw a surprise birthday party, and so she kept it a secret from me. And she told all my friends and said, oh, he's at youth group. You guys all come. You'll hide in the basement, and when he comes, we'll come out and we'll say, surprise. And it would have worked except for my friends that came over early before I left and said, see you when you get home. The secret that she said, that she kept for over a month, was the hardest thing she had done. Keeping secrets from our loved ones, it's, it's hard. It's exhausting. I have to remember what I can and cannot tell. And so our policy in our house is that we don't have those secrets. Sin is that secret that you need to tell your family and your close friends so that they can hold you accountable and help you grow. See, a lot of times the reason why we hide is because we don't want to face those consequences that sin has with it. We're trying to avoid the storm that is going to come. And the problem is, is no matter how much we try to avoid the storm, the storm is coming. You have to face the consequences of your sin in some way. David talks about this in verses 6 and 7 when he says that the Lord protects him as the waters rise. David calls God his hiding place. And David recognizes that these consequences that are coming on his life, they're like a storm, and he wants to be with God who can protect him in the storm. God wants to protect you. And left with the choice of facing the storm of my consequences by myself or with the God who can calm storms, I choose God every time. And it begins with admitting our guilt. The third response that God has to sin is this, is while sin leaves us miserable, God gives joy through his love. And when we read verses 3 and 4, we just see the miserable life that David had. And he, he describes it as this place that, that God's hand is upon him. The problem with sin 
more often than not, is the guilt that comes with this. I have a friend in high school who had become a Christian a couple years before, but he could never get over the guilt of his sins. And so he would sit there and he would ask himself, Jesus, how, how can you love me so much that you die for me? I'm not worthy of it. And he got to the point where he just felt like he needed to be punished because of his sins. Even though Jesus took it, he needed to be punished. And so when his parents left the house, he would take a knife and he would cut himself. Because he deserved that. Sin. Unconfessed sin. Can leave us miserable. Have you ever felt that miserable? David did. I mean, in these verses, he says God's hand is on him all day long. He's growing. His strength is sapped. This idea of misery is in these verses. Sin was a burden to him. And sin in our lives keeps us down, it weighs us down, and it makes us not able to keep going forward. It's an unmovable burden that we can't move ourselves. When we're in sin, there's no true happiness. But our God, He wants us to have joy. And we receive this joy when we admit our guilt. I mean, the final verse of this psalm is a call to rejoice and to sing. He says, rejoice to the Lord, sing to him. And when we're in sin, there's not much reason why we'd want to sing to God. There's not much reason to rejoice when we're in the midst of those sins. And the only reason we can rejoice in verse 11 is because David says he has admitted his guilt in verse 5. We rejoice because we have a God who loves us tremendously. John writes about the God, love of God in this way in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Paul says in Romans chapter 5 that God demonstrates his own love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, we are miserable in our sins. We are in this place where we cannot do anything for God. And yet, despite this, despite the fact that we are in sin, God loves us. And he sent his son to die that death that we deserve to die because of our sin. He took our place. And this love that he has, it provides protection in the storm. This love that he has, it gives us joy to face tomorrow. This love that he has, it provides peace in our lives through the forgiveness that is found in Jesus. It begins with us. See, admitting our guilt brings lasting joy. The beginning of forgiveness is found in admitting our guilt, in admitting our wrongs, in admitting our sins. 
And so we have to have an honest conversation with God. We have to sit there for a moment and examine our lives and ask the question, am I living to his standards? And the places where you're not, you have to have that honest conversation and say, you know what? I messed up here. We don't like to admit that we have messed up. We don't like to admit that we have made a mistake. We don't like to because by saying those things, we are saying that we are not perfect. But newsflash, no one thinks you are. John, in 1 John chapter 1, 8 and 9, says this. He says, if we claim that we're without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. What he's saying is when we are not willing to admit our guilt to God, when we aren't willing to admit that we messed up, what we are doing is we're only deceiving ourselves. We are only deluding ourselves because God knows the truth. But John continues and he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. we admit our wrongs, God is faithful to forgive us. It doesn't matter how far we've gone. It doesn't matter how much we have sinned. If we are willing to come before him and confess, he loves us. And if we are weak, he'll give us strength. And if we're anxious, he will give us peace. He loves us and wants that for us. Begins with us admitting our guilt. And if we admit our guilt, we'll have lasting joy in this world. Continue. To confess your sins. You have a church family that loves you. And that wants to come alongside you. The longer you hold on to your sin. The longer it is that you'll be anxious. The longer it is that you'll be weak. The longer it is that you're going to end up in this place. That you really don't want to be. This miserable experience. So my challenge to you is to confess. Paul calls us to bear one another's burdens. And so that may mean you come to me and I confess, you confess and I pray with you as you seek forgiveness. But maybe you want to go to somebody else and that's totally okay. And confess your sins. And I promise we're not going to blast it on Facebook. It's between you, me, and God. And as we do this, we become more and more in peace. We become this blessed person that David talks about whose sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. So don't hold on to your sin. It'll only leave you anxious and miserable and weak. Seek forgiveness by admitting your guilt. And then you'll have lasting joy in this life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I look at my life and I just ask now that that I examine the places where I'm weak or anxious or miserable 
And Lord, as I examine those, help me to find the sins that I need to confess to. Thank you for Jesus, Lord, who paid it all for me, who died that death that I deserved. We're grateful that we can have forgiveness in you. In your name we pray. Amen.